Good morning. Friends, welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church on this beautiful Sunday. If you are joining us by means of the internet or the radio, I want to say welcome. If this is your first time here, I want to say welcome. And if this is your hundredth time here, I want to say welcome. We are glad you are in our midst this week. If you are new, we do want to extend a special gesture of hospitality. So we invite you after the service to linger in the atrium, which is this big space over here, where you can be greeted by a member of this community that would love to get to know your name, get to know your story, and tell you a little bit more about this community of faith. As a sign of hospitality, we also choose to sign the friendship pads, which are in your pews by the aisle. So I invite you to grab that, to sign it, and pass it down the pew so that you might get an opportunity to see the name of those who are sitting next to you so you can greet them at the passing of the peace. I also invite you to pay special attention to the prayer and connect cards that you will see in your pews. Those are there for you to prayer, a joy, a concern, something you're grateful for, ask a question. The pastors look over those each week and we have an honor to pray with and for you. Friends, before we begin our hour of worship, a few quick announcements. You'll notice that the back of the bulletin is full of upcoming events, so I want to highlight two. The first is August 14th. We have a stadium tour for our older adults. They are going to tour the AT&T Stadium at 11 a.m. on the 14th, and we would love to have a great group go, so please sign up for that. Additionally, next Sunday, hard to believe it's already here, but we next Sunday is Blessing of the Backpacks. So if you have a kiddo in your house that is returning to school, we invite them to bring their backpack their textbook, their protractor, whatever they want, bring it on and we will bless it. It will be a joy to send them off with some love from this church. Friends, today's theme as part of our Sacred Ordinary Days series is savoring. So I want to invite you to take a moment to think through your morning. Think through the comfort of your pillow when you first woke up. The warmth of that cup of coffee or tea that gave you life this morning. Think about the fresh air that we so often take for granted and the birds and the trees and the flowers that you passed on your way to get to this sanctuary this morning. For often it is easy to get lost in the hustle and bustle to fail to savor the little things. So friends, I invite you to look for God in this worship space, to savor that. For surely God is here. Let us worship.
please join me in the call to worship. In sleeping and in waking, God is present. In eating and in playing, God is present. In losing keys, reading a book, and sitting in traffic, God is present. As we gather for worship, God is present. Let us worship God. Confident in God's grace, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. God of the small moments, we confess that we often value efficiency and convenience more highly than enjoyment and significance. We rush through our days and forget to take time to delight in the small things. We have forgotten how to say the things 
Remind us that life is not a checklist to be completed, but an experience to be involved. Help us slow down and find joy in every moment. Amen. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us embody the grace of God by passing the peace of Christ with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. you all good morning oh no we need to try that again i know you can do it louder good morning oh that's so much better it's so good to be with you all okay today's theme is savoring does anybody know what savoring means to save people that's a good guess yep very similar word savoring is when you enjoy something completely 
You enjoy it completely. So we're going to talk about savoring, and I want to invite up a friend to help me. I'm going to invite up my friend Maggie. She's going to help. Maggie is our new youth director, so when you guys are in seventh grade, you're going to hang out with her a lot, and we are going to see if she can savor some things. Okay, so I have a bunch of balloons in here, and they have things written on them, and we're going to see if she can hold all of them. So this says quiet time. We have reading. We have church. Great, yep, there you go. We have time with siblings. How's she look? She think she got it all? We have school. Uh-huh, yep, there you go. We have outside play. We have chores. We have eating. We have rest. You love eating, me too. And we have friends. How'd she do? <laughs> we got some mixed reviews. Okay, so was it hard for her to hold all of these things at once? Yeah, okay, let's see. If she drops them, and we just give her one at a time, time with siblings. Is she able to hold that okay? Yeah, she's good at that. So here's the deal. Sometimes if we want to really enjoy something, we've got to take it one at a time. Sometimes we have to focus on one thing in front of us to really savor it. Because if we try to do everything at once, we might miss out, right? So that's our test for today. We are going to try to slow down a little bit to pay attention to things one at a time so we can savor them. So will you guys pray with me, and then you can help me clean up the balloons? Sound good? Okay, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for being with us in all of our many ways. Give us the strength to slow down and savor each moment so that we might see you. Amen. You guys, thanks for coming. Can you come on, grab a balloon and throw it in here? Good job. And you may go back to your seat. You guys are such good helpers. Thank you. Maggie's such a sport. That's what I look like every morning. <laughs> to help us prepare to hear God's word, to savor it, please join me in prayer. Gracious God, we are thirsty for your word. We crave good news and hope. We long for the taste of love and connection, and we dream of seeing you more clearly. So pour down on us, saturate our thirst, seep into the core of who we are, and flood us with the awareness that you are here 
as only you can be. Gratefully we pray. Amen. So this morning, as you have been reminded, we are continuing our sermon series, Sacred Ordinary Life. You've been around with us in person, on the radio, or online. You have a sense of what we have been up to this season. It's been our hope that through sermons and worship experiences that your imaginations have been sparked, that your spiritual creativity has been stirred and that you have thought more deeply about God in your daily living. So as we take up the topic, drinking tea, sanctuary and savoring, we're considering a few verses from the 34th Psalm. Listen now that by faith you may receive God's word for you this morning. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, let us pray. You will come alongside us, that you will speak to our hearts and minds, that you will let us know that you're near in meaningful ways. Speak to us as only you can. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Drinking tea. T and I have a complicated history, you might say. I grew up with a pitcher of tea in the refrigerator. We drank it a lot in my household. And as I grew older, for me to order tea when I was out. Many years later, I was in an interview process seeking my second call. I was just finishing up my two-year pastoral residency in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I found myself in a restaurant in Columbia, South Carolina, ordering iced tea. There were no up questions. Moments later, he brought drinks for the table, and without tasting it, I reached for a pink sugar. <laughs> I put it in the glass, I started up, I took a big gulp, and my dining companions were amused by my grimacing face because I had sweetened the sweet tea. <laughs> you know, I learned the hard way that iced tea equals sweet tea in the Southeast. And I had lived a lot of years before moving to the east part of our country thinking that I was raised in the South. I'm a native of Houston. And I was schooled by the Easterners that, no, I wasn't raised in the South. I was raised in the West. Please, I still take issue with that. But I have a complicated relationship with tea. So I stepped back from it for a while and just went water, and it was great. But just a couple of weeks ago, Michelle and I had the great pleasure of traveling 
with our sanctuary choir on their tour to England and to Scotland, where drinking tea is a bit more, shall we say, refined. <laughs> we picked up a new habit for us, having hot tea from time to time, because hot beverages are just what you need in August in Texas. <laughs> but there is something about sharing hot tea that makes for a special moment a moment to be savory. I know, I sound like a commercial, but it's true, it's just something kind of cool. It could also be that we are T minus seven days to an empty nest. Yes! <laughs> so every moment is special. The moments leading up to that next Sunday at 12.01, and the moments after that time, when we drive all the way to Lubbock. <coughs> moments matter. We all know that life can be fast-paced. That is no secret. And that can be exciting. It can also be crazy-making. If you're a parent of young children, it's back-to-school time. College students, too, but that vibe is quite different. Especially for the younger kids, it's school clothes shopping, supply lists, school open houses. I saw a post yesterday from a mom of twins who are entering middle school, and the caption was, death by shopping. <laughs> and I resisted the urge to reply, for whom, them or you? For others, life revolves more around the bridge table the driving range, the palette and canvas, the piano keyboard, the potter's wheel, or perhaps behind the lens of a camera. Still others of us are in a stage of life where our work takes priority. Meetings, conference calls, travel, lesson plans, lots to juggle. It is hard to stop long enough to savor much of anything. That's what we're being invited to do today. In the scripture passage I just read, the psalmist invites us to step back from whatever occupies our lives and take in the full goodness of God. I sought the Lord. God delivered me from my fears and my troubles. God created a hedge of protection for me. Now it's our turn to experience. Taste it and see it for ourselves. Taste and see that the Lord is good is easily the most familiar of these verses. It was used in the liturgy of the early church. It is still often heard and interpreted as an invitation, a welcome to the communion meal, to the table, to the Eucharist, and to the remembrance of Christ's continuing presence among us in the gifts of bread and cup, until he comes again. James Mays says that the psalmist is sensitive enough to the reality of God's goodness and God's living, living presence, to such a high degree that these things actually become for him objects which he is able to perceive, perceive with his senses, tasting and seeing. Taste is used here in the sense of find out by experience. 
Experience for yourself the deliverance, the saving. In short, experience life as God wishes for us to experience it. Life at its fullest. Life as God intends for us all. And this is not something that the psalmist has to offer. Rather, life is something that God offers. The psalmist's advice is not to look to me, but look to God. Taste and see. Get a taste of it yourself, and you'll see. Tasting is not a passive verb, but one that requires action. We cannot taste if our mouth is closed. And so, to taste anything, we must first open our mouths which requires a willingness. So the psalmist invites us to open ourselves, to receive the goodness of God, opening not only our mouth to taste, but our minds to learn and our hearts to love. And it's not enough to accept that invitation for ourselves alone, but through our lives, to accept that invitation to teach others how rich and bountiful is the goodness of God's blessing for all who will receive it. This invitation to humankind is nothing new. It is long-standing. After each creative work is finished in Genesis 1, God declares the creation good and lavishly gives us free reign to enjoy its beauty and goodness to savor God's creative presence. In her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, Tish Harrison Warren says, Pleasure is our deep human response to an encounter with beauty and goodness. In these moments of pleasure, of delight, of enjoyment, of awe and revelry, we respond to God impulsively with our very bodies, saying, yes, we agree, your creation is very good. Our response to God's good creation is to gravitate to things that we love because doing so helps us to focus on what gives us life, what fills our spirits, what makes us the happiness, happiest. And so for me, as I thought on this, what makes me happiest? What do I love? Aside from relationships, I thought of many other things. I have a particular mug, a coffee, now maybe tea mug. It's pottery, and it has a peace sign on it. It's a beautiful mug, and I reserve it for the beach whenever I'm at the beach. And so for me, one of the things that came to my mind immediately was the peace mug at the oceanside. Because that for me reminds me of the power of God's creation, the power of God's presence as the waves go in and out. And as sea life perhaps can be seen and the birds in the air and the people on the, on the seashore, but then there are also other things that are more daily my existence. Brother 
and Raleigh, my two dachshunds. You know, not everybody's a dog person. I'm a dog person. I'm not a cat person. So for those of you out there who are cat people, I respect you. I don't agree with you, but I respect you. <laughs> the simple pleasure of lighting a candle. And I just want to encourage you in this quick moment that if you don't do that very often, consider it. Consider lighting a candle and sitting with it. Nothing else, not your phone, not music, but allow God's presence to be tangibly felt as you see that flame. And then music. My goodness, we are blessed in this place with beautiful music every single week, and between weeks for that matter as well. I spoke with someone just this week who lives in another state, and they told me that they have never been to Preston Hollow, but they feel like they know Preston Hollow so well because they worship with us every week, and they listen to the recordings of our music program over and over and over again. They savor that experience, her word, not mine. So indulge me. Think for just a moment, and if it helps you in the process, close your eyes. But what rises to the top of your list of things that you love, things that make you the happiest? Where do you sense the power of God present in this world? I invite you not only to think of those things now, but think of them in the hours and days to come. Because that is what the psalmist is inviting us to do, is to taste and see, or to reflect upon, or to savor. In our consumerist society, we spend endless energy and money seeking pleasure, but we are never truly satisfied. We try to keep it all together, and as Sarah reminded the children and all of us this morning, we cannot control it all, all the time nor are we created to do so. Workaholism and constant connectivity fight against our ability to be present to the pleasure of the moment. So this is our challenge. Slow down. Put the device down. Look into another's eyes. Make eye contact with another human being. Have a conversation. Savor the kind of connection this will bring about rather than the technological connections that are a part of almost all of our daily lives. In letters to Malcolm, C.S. Lewis devotes one of his letters to the subject of pleasure. The advice he gives is to begin where you are. He writes that he once thought that he had to start by summoning up what we believe about the goodness and greatness of God, by thinking about creation and redemption, all the blessings of this life. Instead, he says, we ought to begin with the, the pleasures at hand. For him, he writes, it was a walk by the side of a babbling brook. And for me, as I was writing this sermon, it was the breeze that Capture the wind chimes outside my window. And what might it be for you? Again, an invitation to 
be thoughtful about the simplest, simplest of things. I sometimes have heard in ministry, as I have related to all kinds of people in a variety of settings, some have said that they didn't attend church at all or they didn't attend regularly because they didn't have it all together and they felt that they needed to get their act together before they could come to church. And my goodness, I have so often, I have so often refuted that and I have said, it's absolutely where you need to be because none of the people you will meet have it all together. They may think they do, but they don't. I don't have it all together. The same applies here. We don't have to get our minds right and be in a certain posture and say certain things in order to be able to experience tasting and seeing the goodness and presence of God. Start where you are and take in the things that are your every day. Maybe for you, it's the fact that you have a, an electric garage door. Number one, you have a garage. <laughs> Number two, you have an electric garage door opener and you don't have to get out. That's just a silly example, but it's one that matters to me as I think about practicalities. There, there are lots of things from which to choose. So much gets in the way of these little moments of glory in our day, whatever it is that we identify. For some, anxiety and persistent worries are always playing in the background, robbing us of the ability to simply exhale. We're challenged to learn to surrender, to, to give up our illusion of control and relax into beauty. Relax into God's goodness. Relax into the simplest things in life. To some, the church as an institution has been an impediment to this. Has been, it's had a reputation for being anti-pleasure. In reality, the church has led the way in the art of enjoyment and pleasure. New Testament scholar Ben Witherington points out that it was the church, not Starbucks, that created the coffee culture. <laughs> coffee was first invented by Ethiopian monks. The term cappuccino refers to the shade of brown it used for the habits of the Capuchin monks of Italy. Coffee is born of extravagance. An extravagant God who formed an extravagant people, who formed a craft out of the pleasures of roasted beans and frothed milk. In the words of one of our choir tour guides, you heard it here first. <laughs> Y'all remember that? <laughs> she, she was a trip. <laughs> and maybe you didn't hear that fact first, but here first, but I found it really interesting. G.K. Chesterton saw in God a childlike wonder. Children never tire of beauty and pleasure. They embrace enjoyment with abandon. They don't feel guilty about taking time to search for, for feathers to invent a game or to enjoy a treat. Chesterton imagines that God revels in the pleasure of God's creation like an enthusiastic child because children have abounding vitality, 
because they have spirits that are fierce and free, they want things repeated over and over, and they also want things unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until they're pooped. Grown-ups are not thrilled with monotony. They're not thrilled with doing it again. But perhaps God can handle monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making daisies. Savor the thought. Throughout Christian history, Christian worship has been a profoundly sensual experience, a kind of training ground for pleasure and delight, for using the senses. The room where we worship is called a sanctuary, from the Latin sanctuarium, which is a derivative of sanctus or holy. Sanctuary refers to a holy place, but because churches have throughout history often been places of legal asylum, the term has also come to mean a place of shelter, a haven, or of refuge. Look around our sanctuary. You see beautiful pyramids, beautiful flowers. You hear beautiful music. You see the light of a candle. We participate together in speaking and in singing. We participate in being quiet together. When we celebrate communion, the elements of the bread and the cup are tangible, tactile elements. And architecture, architecture adds to the experience of our senses. Remember the first time you walked into this sanctuary? Or the first time you walked into the former sanctuary, now our chapel? There are emotion wrapped up in those experiences. There is gratitude wrapped up in those experiences. Some churches have more art, stained glass in the sanctuary, incense offered. There are a lot of other variants. Our tradition is more modest, so as not to detract, take away our, from our attention on God. But there are varieties of way that, ways that Christian worship utilizes our senses to access God's goodness, not only during worship, but in our lives as well. Christian worship trains us to recognize and respond to beauty. You may not have ever thought of it that way before, but I encourage you to consider that our worship trains us to respond to beauty. Christian worship is also different. It looks different from culture to culture. In my prior church at Westminster in Greensboro, I was responsible for local, national, and, and international outreach, and I led many trips internationally seven or eight to Kenya uh, alone. 
and we spent many times uh, participating in worship services, leading worship. I've preached there numerous times, and I've had translators uh, translating in Swahili as I preached, and that was a very interesting experience. But there was one experience in particular, one year in particular, where my friend Joseph Kisanga, a leader in the Presbyterian Church of East Africa, invited our team of 21 to divide into thirds and to go to three different village churches in a rural area north of Nairobi. We went to be their guests, but we also went at their invitation to help uh, lead worship. And I will say that I was humbled in so many ways and for so many reasons. A very small, simple structure made of tin, a, a cement floor, and simple benches. But the, the uh, chancel area was beautifully outlined. There was silk covering the wall and chairs, and, uh, and so they made it special. There was a communion table. There was a lot of familiarity, and there was certainly familiarity in the order of worship, even if we did not know all of the language. But the part that I really wanted to highlight for you today is the fact that when the offering time came, these folks in this village proudly brought their first fruits, literally. They did not only give the shillings that they had, the money that they had, they gave eggs, they gave chickens, they gave goats. And if you can only imagine what it would be like to have people coming up the center aisle to the front of the, the chancel, and having all of this in front, you want to talk about a sensual experience? It was that. It was loud. It was boisterous. The children were loving it because they got to bring it up. So I'm going to talk to Matthew and my other colleagues. <laughs> Let's just give it a try. It might be kind of fun. I mean, it brought so much life into the place. It was a Presbyterian church. I'm just saying our settings vary widely, but our experience is of the same God, and the invitation to all of God's people is the same invitation, taste and see, that the Lord is good. There are a variety of flavors, don't we know? Tish Warren shares an experience that she had as well in a remote area in an East African church. At communion. She says, I lifted the chalice to my lips and was surprised that instead of wine, I tasted Coca-Cola. <laughs> wine was hard to come by where we were, she says, and grape juice was non-existent. Coke was the beverage of extravagance. She writes, a missionary told me that on Christmas morning, children get two treats, meat and Coca-Cola. Coke was used in worship because these believers wanted to use the finest and the best. And indeed, that Sunday, it was an indulgent pleasure. Christ was among us. And even in the midst of poverty, worship was lavish. You know, our bodies can be a sanctuary as well. And as I was preparing this sermon, I was reminded of a song from 
long ago in my life. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with sanctuary ourselves. We don't have to go to the sanctuary. God invites us to taste and to see that the Lord is good, to start where we are, to take the invitation to savor it. Open yourself. Open yourself to the goodness that God has for you. God, our lives can be so complicated, so full of to-dos. We can be so busy that we miss the simplicity of your presence, of your love. Lord, we're faced with tragedy seemingly daily or at least weekly. So we ask, Lord, that in the face of the tragedies on the wider scale and personally, the burdens that we bear in our own lives of health and of friends in need and a whole host of concerns that occupy our hearts and minds. Set them aside, O oh God. Give us an encouraging way to know of your presence and your nearness so not only are we inspired, but that we can inspire others by sharing and by knowing Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Family of God, in response to God's word and as a sign of our unity, I invite you to rise in spirit or in body and let us affirm our faith together with the declaration of faith. We believe Christ gives us and demands of us personal lives that are centered in God and open to God's reality and rule. Christ teaches us to put obedience to God above the interests of self, family, race, or nation, to offer God joyously our money, ability, and time. It is part of our discipline to observe a day of worship and rest setting aside our own working to enjoy God's work, celebrating with siblings in faith the Lord's goodness. You may be seated. Friends, at this point in the service, we turn our hearts towards prayer. But before we pray, I want to invite and remind you all of the care letters our care letters is one of my favorite traditions as a church. It is a series of letters that you will find under the window over here that we mail out every Monday morning to members of this community that night might need a word of care or a word of celebration. Your signature is a prayer for them. 
I also want to lift up one joy this week. You may have heard, but super happy fun week took place here in our building Monday through Friday. That was a new camp, it's in its second year here, a combination effort of children from this church and children from the Vickery Meadows community. We had 60 kids, 20 youth volunteers, and 15 adults that helped make it happen. So if you are one of those people, thank you. We are grateful. Friends with those joys in our hearts, let's turn towards God in prayer. God of gifts, we know you when we laugh until our sides hurt. And we know you when beauty takes our breath away. And we know you when we realize that we're not alone. And we know you when ordinary moments feel extraordinary. For you have filled this world with moments of beauty like fingerprints of the divine. Everything from warm cups of tea to time with our children, hands held around a dinner table and beautiful song that fills this sanctuary. You have filled this world with moments of beauty, but so often we miss them. So often we are caught up in our own grief or doubt, loneliness or fear, shame or anxiety that makes it hard to savor the gifts of life. So once more, we ask that you would move in this space. Once more, we ask that you might open our eyes to recognize you in our neighbors and in creation, in ourselves. And as we seek you, we ask that you would hear these prayer on our hearts. With gratitude, we give thanks for the people that have loved us, for the beauty that surrounds us, and for the church that welcomes us. With concern, we pray for the homeless and the impoverished, for pollution and waste, for children who fear gun violence in school, and for parents who fear the safety of their children. And with hope, we pray for common ground, for new relationships, and for continued acceptance and forgiveness. Give us the strength to be the good in the world. Grant us the wisdom to be the change in the world. Give us the patience to appreciate your beauty in this world. And grant us the passion to follow our call. With hope in our hearts, we lift our voices in unison to pray the prayer your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power. Our daily lives consist of small rhythms, 
waking and sleeping, speaking and listening. And one of the rhythms of our lives is giving and receiving, both of which are holy. And so today you are invited to practice giving in this month's Every Dollar Counts offering that is all dollar bills that are given today, will go to Montreat Conference Center, a place near and dear to many of our hearts. Montreat is what many of our youth would describe as a second home. It is a conference center that has nourished our college kids, the staff, and our youth over several decades. Giving to Montreat is equivalent to giving to our future of the faith development of the people of this church. And so we invite you to give generously and support the work that God is doing in our world. Friends, this morning, tithe and offering.
family of God, as we prepare to offer a prayer to dedicate our gifts back to God, I am so thrilled to be joined up here by our very own Daylene Buell, as many of you know, and a new face among us, Mr. Joseph Henry Medeiros. As you know, Daylene is an integral part of our relationship with McShan Elementary School, and Mr. Medeiros is the brand new principal appointed to serve McShan, and we're so delighted that he and his family have joined us for worship today. As you know, over the past nine years, McShan has welcomed us into their fold to tutor their students, to support their staff, and to love on their administration. And many of you have so generously given over the past several weeks these school supplies that will fill their classrooms and prepare their students to learn this year. So family of God, please join me in prayer for your gifts and for our friends at McShan. Let us pray. Creator of our lives, your love and generosity with us knows no bounds. We ask that you will send Mr. Medeiros forth with great energy and wisdom to guide and lead the students, staff, families, and volunteers of McShan so that all may experience the wonder and gift of learning how to read, how to complete a group project, of witnessing a science experiment come to life, of having safe spaces for play and creativity, and the magic of stories to teach us empathy and compassion. So take these small gifts we offer and allow them to strengthen the bonds of this community so that everyone who walks through the halls of McShan will know how gifted and precious they are in your sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, you are invited to greet Mr. Medeiros and his family in the atrium after worship. And now let us join together in our closing hymn.
Friends, the invitation is before you, taste and see, savor, take time amidst your busy lives to know of God's presence and God's goodness. As you go forth from this place, the peace of God which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with you this day and every day. Go in peace.